0: From Los Angeles, California, this is the Rider Strike Chronicles podcast, and I'm Tanya Barnes. Hello, everybody. Today is Wednesday, December 5th, 2007, day number 30 of the Rider Strike. In today's episode, I meet up with Strike Captain Bill Froelich at the picket lines at the CBS Radford lot in Studio City. Just a little backstory about this episode before we begin. Bill and I began this conversation talking about democracy, a free press, and the state of labor and management today. We gapped for about a good 10 minutes or more before I even got around to learning what his name was or what his thoughts and experiences were relevant to the writer's strike. Now I'm not a writer and I'm not a journalist. I really am just a nobody. But instinctually I felt it would be better from a storytelling perspective to establish Bill's affiliation with the Guild and work within Hollywood before moving on to other topics. So I rearranged the audio to reflect that. We'll start with this introduction.
1: Well, my name is Bill Frolik and I'm a member of the Writers Guild and the Directors Guild and the Screen Actors Guild. Wow. I'm a writer, director and producer. I've been a member of the Writers Guild since 1979 and a member of the Directors Guild and Screen Actors Guild since 1989. I've done a number of television movies and TV pilots. I've done a lot of television series. I've been a showrunner or co-showrunner on a number of series from MacGyver to Outer Limits to Poltergeist, The Legacy, and worked on shows such as The Sentinel and Scarecrow and Mrs. King. So I've I've been around for a while, getting in and out of trouble, as, as they say. And my feelings on this particular negotiations, on this strike, is that this really... I have been involved in all the various negotiations or strike activities since I've been a member of the Guild... And I was present during the 1988 strike, which was the last major Mm -hmm. strike, which did not go as well as we all wanted. We did not get a very good deal. But the Guild was not as united Mm. in 1988. There was real dissension within the Guild. That's a key difference now.
0: Why is that different today?
1: There's real solidarity. And two-thirds of the people who are in the Writers Guild right now were not members in 1988, and they have learned the lessons of the past, They have they, and they know the importance because they know the difference that this concerns the Internet and the future in a very big way. And they can see the writing on the wall. They can read the writing on the wall. They're writers. <laughs> it's revolutionary. And, and they realize that this, this is the future, and they're being asked to not be part of it so they contribute to it but not sustain themselves from it exactly and i mean that's patently unfair and so they realize that this is the time to take a stand if we don't take a stand now the hollywood entertainment business as we've known it will probably disappear. Now that sounds like an exaggerated statement, but that's how important this contract dispute is. And that's why management doesn't want to give us anything because they're trying to control it all as, as opposed to trying to share fairly. And that's all we want is a fair contract. And when we have a fair contract, we will go back. And one of the differences, big, big differences between this time in 1988, is the Guild is really, really united. And we are not going back until there is a fair contract.
0: Okay, so now you know who Bill Froelich is. Coming up, we'll be discussing the free press, a healthy democracy, and the role of journalism today. We'll also touch upon the significance of the writer's strike as it pertains to labor and management in the 21st century. Before we begin, I just want to give you my take. It's the job of a journalist to get at the truth and to keep watch against abuses of power. Citizen journalism is the act of citizens playing an active role in the process of collecting, reporting, analyzing, and disseminating news and information, according to the report We Media, how audiences are shaping the future of news and information by Shane Bowman and Chris Willis. They go on to say, quote, The intent of this participation is to provide independent, reliable, accurate, wide-ranging and relevant information that a democracy requires." Now, if you've been listening to past episodes of this podcast, you'll know that I have a cynical view towards big media conglomerates, owning news outlets, and controlling the flow of news and information. And in this upcoming discussion with Bill, you'll hear his disdain as newspapers, TV, and radio is run by the conglomerates and are fixated on profits. Bill went on to say some nice things about the work I'm doing through these podcasts. And what I'm trying to do here is to give voice to the men and women affected by the writer's strike and to tell this story from the bottom up. My only concern is that one cannot rely solely on amateurs such as myself who has no experience or training in news reporting. Such news would not have the checks and source confirmation as professional and known news organizations. To me, the main issue is accuracy. Andrew Keen, the author of The Cult of the Amateur says, When anonymous bloggers and videographers, unconstrained by professional standards or editorial filters, can alter the public debate and manipulate public opinion, truth becomes a commodity to be bought, sold, packaged, and reinvented. Hmm, then again, The same can be said for mainstream media as controlled by the conglomerates. Okay, enough about me and my opinions. Let's continue our interview with Bill Froelich.
1: I mean, there was, I was just catching up with some back articles in uh, some of the trade papers in the Hollywood Reporter. There was an interesting interview with Dan Rather talking about, uh, they were asking about the current lawsuit he has with CBS, but he was also talking about the fact that this journalistic standards have really fallen down in our country. And the free press that we have always felt that we have had is something that as a free democratic society, we rely upon because a democracy is not going to function properly if... The population is not informed and educated and alert as to what is going on. And if we are not getting the full story or the true story because of how things are being reported or, more importantly, not reported, underreported, exactly, in the press that's a real danger. And this particular strike here, the strike of the Writers Guild, is not just obviously important for the Writers Guild. I mean, there are other unions that will be directly affected. Screen Actors Guild and Directors Guild will end up with deals very similar to whatever we're able to, to get. But it also affects other unions. Uh, people who are on film crews and television crews who are members of IATSE don't realize that they actually benefit from residuals, too, because they're fed into their health and welfare and pension plan. A lot of 55%. Yeah, and a lot have not realized that. So they think that we're just, you know, we're striking for certain things that only affect us. But as the president of the AFL-CIO said recently this year, this strike is the first important strike between labor and management for the 21st century. And that's not just within the entertainment business, but within our culture countrywide and probably worldwide because there is quite a gap between management and labor right now. The people at the very top, that's why you see people like Lee Raymond, the former CEO of, of Mobile Oil, walks away with a severance package of over $400 million. And Paul O'Neill, who just recently uh, left Merrill Lynch, actually was asked to leave because he almost ran him into the ground. He walked away with uh, close to 141 million. So we're seeing such a difference between the very top and the greed is just um, increasing almost exponentially. There's been an interesting fact that in the Writers Guild, we have not gotten anything of importance without either striking or threatening to strike so it works so it does work it's painful it's uh, financially painful for people and the writers are very aware that this strike is affecting many other people other than writers there are over 200 television productions and right now all but twelve have been shut down and we are fully aware that that means a lot of other people are not working and we look at this as saying, this is where everybody has to come together because management is, is the one that is, they don't want to give us anything. And if they don't want to give the writers anything, or the actors or the directors, they're not going to be interested in giving any other employee anything that's fair either. And this is basically coming from the people who are at the very top, who want to control far more of the money, put more of it in their pocket. Because if right now they gave the Writers Guild everything that we put on the table, and then subsequently gave the Directors Guild something similar, which they would have to, and then give SAG the proper formula that they would normally get. It wouldn't even put a dent in their profits. And this is the thing that is so irritating to the members of all the unions, is that there isn't a sense of fair play. There isn't a sense of wanting to properly share. Just hang on to it all themselves. They come up with the excuses of saying, well, the production costs are going through the roof, and we're not making the you know the money that we normally make, and yet we look at their pronouncements of the revenue they're bringing in and what they tout to Wall Street, and they're making a, they're making making a mint. Yeah. And, and they're very proud of that, and yet when they turn around and talk to us, they cry poverty. So they're trying to have it both ways. And the thing that I find interesting or fascinating from a humanitarian standpoint in the year 2007 is that there is such a lack of interest in supporting the people who are making the companies wealthy, and that there is a lack of interest in finding some kind of fair balance. Because it's very clear that the Writers Guild, Screen Actors Guild, the Directors Guild, as far as this contract situation is concerned, we want and need the companies to be healthy. We don't want to run them into the ground by taking more than our fair share, because if the companies are healthy, we'll be able to continue to all be working and make movies and television shows. We just want a fair share. And the Internet is where a lot of this is going to be moving. That's the main point of this strike, is to try to get a fair deal for how the Internet's going to work.
0: Well, yeah, and then now with the Internet and net neutrality, it could even shut that down and affect the democracy of the Internet
1: yeah they are they're they're trying every way they can think of whether through congress or otherwise to find ways to control the distribution pipeline of the internet and that's not something that ultimately they're going to be able to control because it's a it's too wild a beast at this point and it's it's too large but it is going to be the distribution pipeline of the future certainly in the not too distant future basically just right around the corner the way we receive television and the Internet are probably going to merge until they're almost basically one and the same. It's a hybrid. And that's at the heart of this strike at the moment because they are trying to find the they, meaning management, the alliance, the AMPTP, the Alliance of Motion Picture Television Producers, are trying to find a way... To get rid of residuals by rerunning everything on the internet and not having to pay for it, and thereby they get rid of residuals. It's already happening with the television series Lost. Those episodes are not really rerunning on television, so the writers and the actors and directors get no residuals from those, re- those reruns because they're only found on the internet. And right now, the internet is free for that because the companies are not paying the writers for the use of the content.
0: However, they are deriving profits for, through ads.
1: They certainly are. They're getting a lot of profits for ads and one of the things that they've been trying to tell us is, well, well, these are just promotional runs. But by definition, that is not what promotion has ever been in practice or in theory or definition because promotion never involved receiving ad revenue. Promotion was just that. When promotions were run on the network or promotions were run, it was, you did not receive any income for them. They were what the...
0: They also didn't show the entire show.
1: That's exactly right, yeah. And now they're trying to say, we're going to run the entire show... With as, With ads, which we will receive all the income from, and you will share in none of it. And But we're only calling this promotion because we're trying to generate more eyeballs to go to the television screen. Well, you know, that is a very interesting economic sleight of hand. In fact, uh, you know, it's an old joke that the most creative writing is is done by the accountants in in, in (laughs) the business. (laughs) And and that's what they are, uh, you know, that's what they're working on. So there are very serious financial concerns here, but above and beyond that, the other concern is how is management and labor going to deal with each other, and are they, is labor going to be taken seriously? And there is really just an amazing gap right now that needs to be closed.
0: How does this strike, the writer's strike affect middle America?
1: Probably in several ways. It's From a financial standpoint, it certainly has an impact with those people who are tangential to the entertainment business because a lot of people are going to be out of work. So people won't be buying some of the extra things they might be buying. People like me. And, exactly. And, and people won't be maybe going to some of the restaurants they would normally go to. or So it, it does have a ripple effect. But in Middle America, ac- across the country, the things that people should be aware of is that it they will certainly not be getting the same level of, of entertainment. And as we started talking about from the journalist standpoint, one of the problems that we're already seeing for Middle America, for all of America, is that the news divisions of the networks... And not just the broadcast networks, but the cable networks have now also, they they are required to make a profit, whereas in times past, they did not necessarily have to make a profit, they were a lost leader, they were there for the prestige, they were there to inform. They were there to to keep the public informed as to, as to what was going on, and they were pretty class operations. And right now, they, like every other aspect of these conglomerate corporations, are being asked to make a profit, which means that you see journalistic standards changing. Mm-hmm. They're becoming more entertainment-driven. More
0: than, opinion-driven. And
1: more opinion-driven. Less news-driven. Less news-driven, less fact-driven. And they also, the, the shows that are becoming, that rise in the ratings because of the popularity of a particular host, which many times depends more on the entertainment value than the information value, we're getting to be a society then that doesn't know whether we're getting somebody's ideological bias bias, or whether we're getting what is actually the, the true story.
0: What do you think of Fox's catchphrase fair and balanced?
1: <laughs> I think it's some of the best comedy on television. <laughs> I think uh, you know most of the people that I know when when they say fair and, and and balanced they they laugh because Fox News is anything but fair and balanced, but they're not the only ones that are striking a particular narrow band of, of representation. They just happen to have taken it to different heights than, you know, and some others. They are c- clearly there pushing a conservative agenda but there are also networks or news organizations out there that are more liberally slanted what we need is we need to get back to the unbiased objective reporting of the news but that's a challenge when it's owned by these corporations who are very concerned by their bottom line and sometimes the news the truth of the news is not good for their bottom line so they want to suppress it What do you
0: think about people like me, an amateur journalist telling the story from the bottom up, who has no training in journalism?
1: Well, I think with the advent of the internet, and this is where your podcast is going to be able to be found, I I think this is one of the the ways of the, the future, because there have there's a the moment I am spacing on who said this quote, and I'm I'm paraphrasing. But the, the essence of, of, of the quote is, never underestimate what an individual or a small group of individuals can accomplish. And never underestimate that they can change society, because in many ways those are the people who have. So someone like yourself who is doing what you're doing, who is trying to to get to some level of, of objective truth, is going to be more and more the way that we are going to be getting some of that truth. When it's squashed somewhere else, somebody like yourself allows it to pop up elsewhere.
0: Any parting shots before we wrap this up?
1: Well, just that I know that the the people on our negotiating committee and the board of directors uh, from the Writers Guild standpoint are continuing to look for the best way to get management to come to the table properly. They've been very frustrated with a lot of the things that management has said, but there are a lot of good people on management side. There are people at the top of of these companies who do have a good vision for the future but they are working within a system that at the moment is conspiring against that coming out so hopefully as we continue towards the holidays cooler heads will prevail and there's a decent shot we might actually be able to have a negotiated contract by the end of this year that's the hope and there's a real possibility of that and they're working real hard to get that
0: thank you very much for your time
1: yeah great thank you for your time
0: You have been listening to the Writer Strike Chronicles podcast. For more information, visit our blog at wgastrike2007.blogspot.com.